0: Hello, welcome back to another episode of Pineapple for Pixels. I'm your host, Red Brewster, and on today's episode, we are going to be doing a Valentine's Day special. It's going to be the top five games slash series that you can play for Valentine's Day. But before we get into that, uh, you know, something that I haven't ever done on the show before, but... uh, I want to make sure to remind everyone, if you're listening for the first time, please uh, make sure to subscribe on whatever podcast service you're listening to and uh, refer to a friend. If, the, if you think there's a friend out there that might enjoy my content, please refer it to your friends and family and all that fun stuff. And as well, follow me on X slash Twitter. My handle is at Red Rooster GC. Uh, I'm always uh, putting updates on there and uh, posting when new episodes go live. Perfect. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, now on to the news for the world of video games. So, of course, in the past week, something last week when I posted my episode, something that was just breaking was the the crazy news about Xbox and would they be potentially going third party, all sorts of rumors that they're going to be releasing stuff on, um, comp- competing platforms, for example, PlayStation and Nintendo switch. Um, yeah, that was just kind of getting started in the week since I posted that episode, those, uh, st- all that speculation went wild and out of control since Phil Spencer, of course, came out and on X had posted that, uh, we're listening. We hear you. We're going to give a business update next week. Um, and of course the speculation just went rampant. So, I'm not going to go too in-depth into this because, to be quite honest, I really thought of doing an episode this week speculating on all the the craziness that was going on. Lots of of stuff has been going crazy online as a result of this uh, rampant speculation. So, basically... If you've been following this closely, you'll have seen uh, some of the drama coming out from, especially from Xbox primary content creators who have felt betrayed and and just kind of broken hearted at the whole thing, having meltdowns and, you know, and most video game content creators and news sites and stuff like IGN, like the big ones, have been doing, you know, they've been commenting on it. And to be quite honest, IGN's been just really talking about this is what we know, this is what's been rumored. Let's see what happens, right? But a lot of uh, places have been really going heavy on on the supposed leaked info. So it went from, okay, we know Hi-Fi Rush seems like a sure shot that's coming out on Nintendo Switch and probably PlayStation as well. Then the idea that, well, apparently Sea of Thieves is going to come to PlayStation and, you know, the general sort of consensus was, well, you know, it's a live service game that would make sense and Hi-Fi Rush, it's a great game and it's been on Xbox for a full year at this point. So, yeah, okay. Like, we can kind of see why they would want to do that. However, uh, ever since this started to gain more and more traction, and since Microsoft has not come out and just outright refuted any of this stuff, it's kind of gone crazy, right? There there was an Xbox era, I think, came out put an article out saying that, oh, it turns out even Starfield is going to be going to PlayStation 5 and... Later on, Indiana Jones, I'm not sure if it was Xbox era for that one, but someone else had at least said Indiana Jones, the upcoming Indiana Jones and the Great Circle would be also strongly considered for a PlayStation release mere months after the Xbox initial release later this year. Um, and then from there, like within like in the very next day after that one, You started hearing Gears of War is going to the PlayStation Then Halo is going to be going as well. Basically everything. (laughs) There's going to be nothing left. And a lot of speculation, well, why would I bother buying an Xbox platform then? This is basically no reason for me to buy an Xbox. Why why don't I just go ahead and only get PlayStation if I can enjoy all the Xbox first party stuff on PlayStation as well as the exclusive PlayStation content, blah, 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 blah. It went crazy. And basically, a lot of people talked like this was a fact. This was Microsoft clearly thrown in the towel the end. I even started getting like really in my own head about it, thinking like, wow, this is really crazy news. I can't believe it. But to be fair, I was also looking at this from a these people are reporting as if this is they have some significant, serious sources. But then it all just got to be too much. Just got to be like, wait, hold on, hold on. People are talking about they're trying to sell their consoles, get done with Xbox, blah, 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 And then I got to think, like, you're making some drastic decisions based off nothing so far. Look, like, I mean, nothing... I, I get it that, you know, no one's come out to address this stuff yet, but at the same time, you know, they want to get their messaging correct here, I'm guessing. So it seems a little fast to be having these meltdowns and, and to be having these... Um, drastic shifts and you know, and how it's impacting you emotionally and stuff like that. But like nothing's actually been officially announced just yet. Right. So now as time has gone on and we've kind of gone full circle, a lot of those places are starting to walk back some of their, well, okay, well maybe things, not everything, maybe, maybe, maybe not as much as we think. Maybe it's actually be a lot milder than we thought. So, um, some of the insiders have even said, you know what, actually, as it turns out, Starfield is not going to be going anywhere, and maybe it'll be less than we thought, and blah, blah. So, anyway, at the end of the day, like I said, I thought of doing an episode based all around the speculation and my thoughts on it. Now, what we knew for a fact was that it would be this week that they would come out and officially state what their business update and what their plan is going to be for the future of Xbox, um, how much they they divulged, not sure yet, but assumingly they're going to comment on this stuff going on right now. And I, I wondered if they might get out in front of it right first thing this week, given that Phil Spencer's uh, uh, message on X about it was on, Mon- I think, Monday of last week. Yes. So I kind of thought that they would maybe get out in front of it as early as possible, but they did come out with a statement today, one week later, this Monday, Not with any info, but more or less stating that they will have their business update event as part of their official Xbox podcast, which will be posted to YouTube and various other podcast services come uh, Thursday, February 15th. So (laughs) still have uh, most of the week to speculate, but at least we know now it's exactly coming out on this date and we'll see what happens. So uh, good to hear that they've uh, confirmed when it's going to be. It's going to be a video podcast, so... Uh, Likely to have a big discussion. I've seen a lot of people who are upset, you know, that it's going to be a podcast, but personally, I kind of like that because that gives them time to really chat it out and give us hopefully a lot more context and what their plans are. Now, my own personal thought, I think, is I think I'll fall in with what a lot of the other um, um, outlets have been saying now, which is a little, little more of a level headed approach. I opted not to do an episode on this. Uh, The whole situation until we know exactly what's happening, because there has been a, a leaked internal memo, apparently, where Phil Spencer had a and Sarah Bond, I believe, had a an internal town hall with the Xbox employees to reassure them. Yes, it's like nothing to worry about. We are not going to be getting out of the hardware continue. We are going to continue making Xbox hardware. Uh, and that is part of a strategy whatever whatever right so again nothing confirmed one way or the other but uh, i suspect we'll have a much better idea and based on how crazy things have gone most likely i'm expecting that it's going to be like i mean i think hi-fi rush and sea of thieves are pretty much locked to be moving out beyond um the xbox platform and i had heard pentiment may also be moving as well which again something else that kind of makes sense but um but that i suspect they are still i think it's going to be having to keep they're going to want to keep some stuff exclusive that's that's my guess now as i've had more time to sort of hear all the different speculation and and sort of mull it all over some stuff will move and some stuff won't and i think it'll be exactly what they've always said all along and what they've already done all along and that is to say that it'll be case by case, right? Like we've seen the Ori games go to the Switch in the past, right? Obviously, the ongoing Minecraft titles, not just the existing Minecraft, which is already multi-platform, but like Minecraft Dungeons, Minecraft Legends, had no expectation to go multi-platform, but they were multi-platform, right? So I think you're going to see some titles that, yeah, sure, they may get pushed over. And I think this is a push towards an idea that we're going to have A future somewhere down the line where video games won't necessarily have to rely on a walled garden approach anymore and it's going to be more of a thing show up on all different kind of devices and platforms and I I think I might have alluded to this in my last episode that the Steam Deck and how that works and how that platform comes out in its competition right now with other handheld PCs I think that's kind of a glimpse into the future of what we might see for the more typical console front. I think like the, the, your Playstations and your Xboxes having their walled gardens is going to disappear in the sometime in the future. And that you will have, you'll still have those names and you'll still have those properties, but more as a, services platform right Like, let me think about it microsoft is a services company right uh and of course they do do some hardware clearly but uh but they're primarily known for the services and that's why uh the big uh, mr nadella himself has stated that um you know he does not like the idea of console exclusivity because you know when you think about microsoft office and stuff like that and even Windows, they don't limit themselves to just PC. Although that's where they're most well known, you can get that stuff on Mac. You can get their um, office suite on apps on your iPhone, on you know iOS and on Android, and all over the place. So I see where or he's coming from. Although I do hear, or at least when I say I hear, I don't have any internal sources, but just from what I've been reading online, that there's speculation or some rumors that there's a little bit of an internal. Standoff inside of microsoft for the xbox team wanting to have that more standard console walled garden approach like exclusives etc ver- versus uh the nadella approach of saying hey this should be on everything we should end this sort of exclusivity and obviously yeah playstation has their own roster of uh of ip right like they have a lot of really recognizable you think kratos uh obviously the last of us and you know, even Twisted Metal and things like that. These are all synonymous with the PlayStation brand. Um, and I don't think that they're on any on a course anytime soon to have God of War on, you know, Xbox or whatever. But that said, you know, I, I was talking to a friend uh, who ha- he had mentioned to me just this past week that, well, you know, I don't think The Last of Us is going to be on a Microsoft platform at any time soon. To which I responded to him, well, actually, it already is, kind of. <laughs> right, And he said, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, they put The Last of Us out on PC. And that's on the Windows platform. It's compatible to be running on a Windows platform. So I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's true. So I think that's kind of a longer-term thing that you'll see Sony kind of m- maybe start to move. And I'm talking, like, long in the future. I think, yeah, we're going to see that. Cause, and not because... They're forced to. Obviously, they're they're the like in terms of between Microsoft and Sony. That uh, Sony has a gigantic lead over Microsoft, right? So it's not like they have any requirement to do so now. I just think that's where the industry will go, and they will probably follow suit. And I think even some of those leaked uh, uh, communications with Sony during the Microsoft Activision trial even suggested that they were they were cognizant of the fact that they were strong in the current sort of thinking around consoles but knew that in the future they were pretty far behind in terms of having a good grasp on the technology and a platform moving forward so i mean obviously we know that sony's made some investments in uh, into service games and in in mobile and expanding their their stuff outward right like there's the playstation movie studios and things so i think these are all indicative of a future where we're going to have less of that walled garden approach and more of a competing services that are in in more universal devices and stuff and when i say universal devices again i'm referring more to like the way the steam deck became a pc handheld that doesn't necessarily have exclusive titles to steam and more it's just a place where you can play your steam library but you also have competing handhelds like the lenovo go or the um uh, the Rog Ally and stuff that they all can play the same software and they use different kinds of platforms and stuff, but basically they're all video game machines essentially, right? And you'll have PlayStation, your Xboxes, Xbox obviously with their Game Pass, Game Pass, PlayStation building up their platform with PlayStation Plus. I just I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm kind of rambling about it, but I do think that uh, that that is kind of a, a hint as to what's to come. And as I said before, and I'll say it again, I think the only company that is likely going to stick around for the longest in terms of having a walled garden will be Nintendo, given their, I mean, listen, their properties, whether you like it or not, whether you're into their stuff or not, are, like, basically, like, they're way beyond any other, Video game company, in terms of recognizability and having that, like they are kind of like a Disney in that way, right? Like having this extremely recognizable face of video games in Mario and Zelda and stuff like that. Like, I can't, and quite often, Nintendo stuff is developed alongside their hardware, so they're always going for the unique experiences, which is not necessarily always the case with the competition i mean right now although a lot of people like to say well you know nintendo has carved out their own niche audience or their they have this other market altogether well there is truth to those statements but at the end of the day in the video game business nintendo is the market leader because they have the biggest install base they have i would argue the biggest mind share obviously sony is a very close second for that but uh but nintendo although they don't have exactly one for one same audience they do have a larger piece of the overall pie. If you took all the audiences into one, Nintendo just takes up a little bit more, I think, because of the success they've had with the Switch. And that, you know, if we were, if this was during the Wii U generation, no, certainly not. They were dead last, right? <laughs> and uh, before that with the Wii, I mean, hey, the, during the PlayStation 3 and 360, a lot of people think of PS3, 360, that... Uh, you know, 360 had a huge mind share, and I know sales-wise, PS3 caught up. And at the end of the that generation, the PlayStation 3 emerged victorious. Purely thinking sales-wise, but I think a lot of people's mind share were that uh, the three, uh, you know, Xbox had its most successful generation, and that they would have won. Although the reality is that Nintendo Wii sold the most and was in households all over. They opened up a whole new uh, demographic to video games. Uh, so. Although it was short-lived, they did win that particular generation by several different metrics, I think. But anyway, that's the subject for something else altogether. It's just basically, I guess, the ultimate thing that it comes down to is, you know, wherever you're thinking of these things, because I personally don't. I mean, I I love Nintendo, old-school Nintendo, current-day Nintendo, whatever. I love PlayStation. I love everything they've done, uh, even when they were a little more arrogant during their ps3 time I guess uh, to up to you know present date I think they've done some amazing things for the industry and Xbox same thing I think they've done some incredible things like right their online services what they brought to the table has been amazing so at the end of the day I don't have allegiances to any one particular I don't have all my eggs in any basket and I think this industry is starting to bubble over from having the the quote-unquote console wars and I think we're seeing more of a the pains of of breaking away from that and this is just but a symptom of that i think but anyway all that to be said uh that's kind of the big stuff in the news about xbox right now we're going to know later this week so most likely next week i'll have a bigger update on my thoughts on you know big or small whatever happens uh, with that my thoughts on what the future of xbox might look like but All right, let's move on. I think a lot of people are probably sick about hearing Xbox by now. Um, But yeah, we'll see what happens. So in other news, uh, Helldivers 2 came out uh, late last week. So this game, you know, the first Helldivers was a pretty popular game, had a pretty hardcore following, and I just really started playing that game relatively recently when I got it as a surprise gift. I really enjoyed the game quite a bit, and I was very much looking forward to, to dipping into Helldivers 2 but you know i didn't hear a whole lot of hype behind the game there wasn't too much excitement it just, there had been a couple of uh, videos in the sony state of play and some hands-on stuff for it but relatively light sort of excitement level i think i don't think too many people were really looking too too much forward to this uh, but hell 2 came out to a very strong start i mean Within the first couple days, they were sitting at over a million sales, I guess. Uh, And this is across PlayStation and PC, which is important to note because... Uh, This is the first time that, uh, because this game is published by, although Arrowhead Studios is not owned by Sony, uh, Sony is publishing this game. Uh, So it's PlayStation 5 exclusive on consoles, but it's the same day and date release on PC, which I believe is the first time that they've done this. And they've seen a massive surge of success through this. Lots of uh, people, concurrent players right now, and it's been quite alive on social media. People just talking about how great this game is. And you know what? it is pretty good. So, definitely worth uh, giving a shot to, but, you know, this game came out at a lower price point. It was, at least in Canadian dollars, is forty nine ninety nine. dollars uh, So, hey, that's a, what a g- great price to pick that bad boy up. And uh, it's a fun game. It's a lot of fun. So, they have been seeing a lot of success with it, so it makes one wonder, again, going back to the story I was just talking about, with uh, you know Sony releasing on other platforms, this is you know, a good sign for them. They've had some... This is also their biggest success so far on um, releasing their properties onto PC, right? I think God of War might have uh, had, like the 2018 God of War might have had A pretty big record but they've already released spider-man god of war last of us horizon on pc and they've had impressive sales but uh this case i think hell divers was extremely successful so i'll be curious to see if this shows us a future where they consider releasing more stuff day and date uh and particularly if they ever decide to experiment and put one of their single player offline games uh on pc on the same time just to see if they can generate that extra buzz and make a lot of money, so we'll see what happens but very encouraging to see that Helldivers 2 which is really unabashedly just like a hardcore video game, video game um, off to a very strong start across both PS5 and PC, so very good stuff Alright, in terms of games that I am playing currently, so I've been putting a lot more time into Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm getting really, really sucked right back into the Final Fantasy VII game. And if you haven't heard it already, last week I did my Final Fantasy VII Remake Video Game Book Club Episode Part 1. So check that one out if you haven't already listened to it for my thoughts on the first half of the game. And I'm currently getting through the second half, and I'm loving every minute of it every minute of it can't talk properly uh and you can look forward to that second episode the finale of uh, my final fantasy 7 remake book club uh that will be coming up in the last week of february so that will be coming up on february 27th uh and that will be just a mere two days prior to the release of final fantasy 7 rebirth which i'm extremely eager to to play so very excited to be doing that. So I've put a lot, a lot of time into this game now. Cause I'm really, really digging it now. Of course, I already mentioned it, but I've been playing hell divers Two uh, quite a bit on PlayStation five this past weekend. And in fact, it kind of ate into my final fantasy seven remake time a little bit. I will say I've, I've been able to resist the temptation of Pal world. Uh, although I, part of me thinks that, well, once I'm done final fantasy seven remake, I'm going to dive headlong into Pal world again. However, final fantasy 7 rebirth comes out and it's interesting because i did download the final fantasy 7 rebirth demo which dropped last week but i have yet to boot it up and quite a frankly I, like i'm gonna boot it up but like i'm okay to wait because like it's just content directly from the game and i know it lets you skip it in the game if you play it through the demo but i'm not going to dive into obviously because i'm playing 7 remake right now but um with seven rebirth i'm not going to dive too much into the demo i'm just going to make sure i have a save file so i can unlock the bonuses in the full launch of the game which if you have a save file from the demo gives you some stuff now interesting to note i do believe there is a second part of the demo that is being released in a in a week or something like that um i can't remember which part it is but um the thing is, like, I think if you have a save from both sections of the demo, then you'll get more stuff. But I just don't want to play through all the demo stuff. I don't know. Like, I like the when they do these kinds of demos. But I think if I wasn't playing Final Fantasy seven Remake right now, I'd probably be playing the demo pretty extensively. So it's it's cool that they did it. But I don't want to, like, burn myself on it at the same time. But we'll see. We'll see. If I can get through Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake a little bit earlier, I might try to mainline through the demo i don't I, th- I had heard i think it's only like an hour or so which i hate that's pretty good for it's a demo but uh let's see what happens but apparently if you have saves from both parts of it you will get to unlocks and also if you're listening to this if you do have a just have a save present for final fantasy 7 remake uh, as well as the integrate uh, expansion you will unlock some pretty useful stuff i won't spoil it for those who are trying to avoid spoilers but there is some pretty useful stuff that you're going to want to make sure that you have saved data on your playstation 5 for both final fantasy 7 remake as well as the final fantasy 7 remake integrate expansion because i've seen what they unlock i mean they've announced what what it unlocks and it's pretty uh pretty hefty bonus that you wouldn't want to miss so keep it at that i guess okay well with that out of the way let's get on to the topic of the show after this break Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that musical interlude. Uh, All right, so now it is time to get into our topic today, which is, again, like I said, it's the Valentine's Day special. And in this one, it's going to be a ranking. I'm going to be doing rank the top five games slash series that you can play on Valentine's Day. So, I thought about this in a couple different ways. I thought, well, what kind of games can you play that are, you know, just they have themes of love or would be suitable for Valentine's Day. But I also thought, what if, what or should I do top five games that you can play with a significant other on Valentine's Day, right? Something that you can play together. And when I was going through this, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to actually combine this into an overall top five games or series. Because there was a lot of games where I would find you know, this particular style of game, and I could find several entries. I'm like, oh, I could just do top fives for, like, all these different categories. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to just do top five games or series overall that I think is the ultimate top five Valentine's Day list. So some of the, the titles in this top five are going to be just single games, and some of them, actually most of them, I'll say, are going to be different um, gaming subgenres or genres or styles, which I will... Highlight some particular selections for you uh, where I think it would be very suitable for Valentine's Day. So, typically, you know, Valentine's Day, you know, is not really nothing about it sc- screams video games, right? Whereas, like Christmas and even Halloween to a certain extent, you can easily pick like Castlevania for Halloween, right? And Christmas time, almost any game because. Video games are very popular Christmas gift, so uh, lots of different ways to to do that. But for Valentine's Day, well, there's not a whole whole lot. Although I guess I shouldn't say that because there is a whole genre of like dating Sims and like and a lot of games that have relationship management. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say this right now: the games like the Persona series, where you have your social links, or like. You know, a lot of computer role playing games like uh, specifically the most recent one being Baldur's Gate that has a lot of significant uh, romance options for the characters and stuff. Now, I will say this, that those games don't feature in my list straight up. So I guess consider that honorable mention uh, because, number one, for those dating sims, I I just... I don't play any of those kind of games, so I don't want to come here and tell you guys like, yeah, hey, go play this game because it's about dating. And it's just they're just not for me. Fair enough. They might be for some, uh, but that's not for me Uh, in terms of um, other games like role playing games. I think Mass Effect and like like I said, Baldur's Gate three recently or even the original Baldur's Gate where you had these options to romance certain characters. Uh, and obviously, Baldur's Gate three got extremely <laughs> got relatively graphic with with uh, how those romances worked out, same with like The Witcher, cyberpunk. These games all featured these significant relationship sort of mechanics in the game that weren't essential to the game but were sort of more flavor added stuff if you really wanted to get into that love stuff. Uh, these are more honorable mentions because that element exists in a lot of different games. And of course, like I said, already persona on the um. Um, really popularized that whole social link style in, in the the role playing game world where it, it really like and it, it wasn't all just romance but it was just any kind of like social links you made and would really uh, impact gameplay in terms of bonuses and stuff that you would get in combat again all that stuff is, is flavor added stuff but not going to be on the list today um, and then of course you had like your expansion packs right like I was thinking about like the sims uh, the I just And I'm talking with the original Sims. I remember when they had that first dating expansion that came out and you they really expanded all the different kind of uh, relationship options you could have and future entries that the Sims always had, like marriage and raising a family and blah, 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 all sorts of stuff. Again, just parts of the game but not necessarily huge driving elements. So instead I'm going to focus on five where I feel that the... The theme of love, or yeah, love or relationships, play a very key role in these games. Uh, and like I said, in some ways, in the theme of the game or in the how the game is played. So I hope that makes sense the way I've described it. Uh, I tried to pick things that were a little more on the nose as to why it would be on a Valentine's Day list. So with that, again, like I said, most of these are going to be subgenres and, and styles of games with uh, with several title is mentioned for each and there is one in fact i'll just go ahead and say there is one entry on here where it is just a single game because i felt it was strong enough and a lot of different ways and why it would land on this list as as its only solo title and i'll tell you this right now it is my number one pick for number one so we'll get to that in a moment so let's start off the list now with number five so i i i labeled this one as the meaty games with a theme of love so what do i mean by that so this is a game that you're not just going to sit down and have an evening of fun playing i mean you could but it is a game that demands a lot more of your time it is a fully whether like content wise is just really long it takes way more than one sitting or has a lot of mechanics involved behind it um, and features strong themes of love so what do i what games am i looking at with this uh well let's talk about it so first game that came to mind was the final fantasy series however not the entire final fantasy series i'm thinking like final fantasy 10 uh you know some of these games that that a lot of them have you know flirt with a little bit of love themes even final fantasy 6 had a really sort of Flirtatious kind of a love theme going on, Final Fantasy IV did, but in reality, the one that I'm thinking about that really spotlighted, that really highlighted the theme of love, of course, if you played the series, you probably know what I'm going to talk about, and that is Final Fantasy VIII. The story of love between Squall, Leonhardt, and um, Noah, if I'm remembering her name correctly, was a huge theme. In fact, the Final Fantasy logo for Final Fantasy VIII was squall and rhinoa embracing it was the overall writing theme of the game was a love story and it was kind of a tragic love story and you know to be honest when you first start the game it was a little dry because squall was relatively unlikable but as the game goes on it does really sort of mature into this really um, romantic theme Uh, and you know i think they were really trying to ensure that they were able to Hold on to their usual player base, given the the massive success of Final Fantasy VI and especially Final Fantasy VII. Uh, but Final Fantasy VIII was an interesting follow-up in a number of ways. But they really did focus on the theme of love. But of course, if you're planning on playing this for Valentine's Day, you can. But this is going to take you much more than one day of playing. This is going to be, you know, an, a sixty to seventy-hour RPG that you want to get through. Uh, so. You know, it's a game. If you're wanting to play a game with a love theme and you love RPGs, especially uh, you know console RPGs, then perhaps Final Fantasy VIII is one worth going for. It is available on all platforms. It's it was remastered not too long ago, so you can get it on wherever you play. And uh, yeah, it's. A, I think this probably for number five for my meaty games with love theme. I think this is one of the best options in that so a couple of the games here uh would be catherine the puzzle game that came out a number of years ago in the 360 ps3 generation it's been remastered and re-released on ps4 xbox one as well as uh, onto nintendo switch so basically you can play it anywhere you want as well and steam of course on pc but uh, catherine is kind it's a little bit more of a darker love story uh about a man dealing with um infidelity and guilt and all sorts of other things, but it's all based around his relationship with Catherine. I think they're both named Catherine, uh, through use of different cutscenes, but also this puzzle. The main gameplay is this puzzle mechanic. And it's kind of a nightmarish, uh, game and gets pretty nightmarishly difficult too, but it's a very fun game. I think, uh, it's a very exciting game to play, but the whole thing is all around relationship and, and love. Um, you know in a darker kind of way but is quite good and i think it falls under here where it's going to be a game that takes a long time to get through maybe not quite as long as final fantasy eight but again a game you're not going to complete in the night and there's a lot more to it than just simple gameplay mechanics and lastly another game i'll point out for this particular section is um, i think a, a, a classic in its own right and that is stardew valley so i was gonna bring up farm sims and Life Sims. Uh, as its own separate uh, genre. But there's far too many of them. And to be honest, some of them are little... I don't know they're just not quite as good right i'm thinking a bit like my, my time at, or my life at porsche is that, is that what's called my life at sandrock um or my time at porsche my time whatever <laughs> i can't remember the names off the top of my head right now but those those two games are actually really uh, like especially porsche i really like those games and they they do have romance options in them as well but stardew valley seems to be the most fully realized life simulator in that way where it's a farming sim but it deals a lot with relationships and it just felt the most heavy hitting of all and the most satisfying i think of all those life sim games depending on what you're looking for but if you're looking for a good relationship sort of simulator i think stardew valley is the way to go for sure uh and again that's available on everything including if you just want to play it on your iphone um it's it's got a very charming pixel graphics look uh and yeah it's just a great example of what that genre has to offer. And it really does have a, a very heavier focus and theme of love in that game and marriage and all all that stuff. So Stardew Valley is a classic and one of the better ones to play for sure. And again, this is one that it's going to take, you're going to spend a lot of time with. So it's not a game to play in just a single night. So the reason why this particular category, the meaty games with a love theme is, is in ranking number five is simply because it takes a lot of time to play through. So if you're looking for something to play on Valentine's day, these are good ones to play, but just be aware that it's going to carry you through past the holiday, or you'll have to start it well before if you want to get playing it in time for it. So there you go. That is number five. All right, let's move on to the next, uh, the next spot. So coming in fourth place for top five Valentine's games to play. uh, This is, a category of fun games with a love theme but light games so these are the games Is kind of like the the flip side of the last one I just talked about these are games that have a love theme uh, but are they are games you could just play in in one night not necessarily that you're going to play them to completion but they don't exactly encourage you to, It's not like Final Fantasy where you have to play through this big long story or you know whatever um, these are games that you can just play in one night and You could say, I'm going to play this. It's Valentine's Day. I feel like doing something that is in the theme of love. These are a couple of good games I could play. Uh, And so for this, I I pulled two. One of them, a a stone-cold classic for its time, and that is Popeye. So Popeye, the arcade game that was... uh, This is Nintendo, was originally trying to make this game prior to Donkey Kong. And when that didn't work out, they couldn't get the licensing for Popeye. They ended up creating Donkey Kong. So fortuitous... um, Um, denial there I guess, right? Uh, Because after the success that Nintendo had then they were indeed later granted the license and then they created Popeye which is, you can kind of see some similarities between Donkey Kong and that but Popeye turned into something different it is a high score kind of game where Olive Oil is trying to help you and you're collecting those little hearts it's like you're collecting her love and trying to save her basically so to me it was always like a cutesy look at Popeye and, and Olive Oil. And, um, you know, so it, this is a very good game. Uh, it's available on the NES and otherwise through emulation. It's not really a lot of uh, easy places to play it legitimately. Uh, but it was a game that was available on the NES as well as arcades. And Popeye is a pretty dang good game. It's a fun little time waster, like a score attack game that you could play uh, on Valentine's Day just if you're in the mood for playing some kind of a seasonally appropriate game that would fit the bill uh, something that's a little more modern though that is similarly more of a score attack score chasing style of a game uh, is a game that actually at first reminded me a little more of, of games like Celeste just in the term of having these single or or small sta- single screen or small stages um, that presented challenging platforming levels that got significantly more difficult as time went on and this is a game called Sir Love-a-Lot. Basically you're playing a knight that is in search of his true love and going stage to stage to stage trying to reach your princess in her tower and the whole thing is this knight is love struck and is just chasing love all the time and again a game that you don't have to play it doesn't have a big deep story or anything like that but it, it does offer a lot of fun um, kinetic uh, platforming that gets more and more difficult as time goes on it would be a, pr- in fact I think uh, for this particular category I think this is probably your best bet it's very easily available on I think all platforms um, and it is a lot of fun I and mean, play it anytime it's a great Fun game, but uh, if you're looking for something seasonally appropriate, I think Sir Love-A-Lot is your best bet for playing a love-themed, quick play one night, arcade-style game. Uh, again, it's you know my description of it is saying that the, my my take on it was that it reminded me of Celeste in terms of its gameplay mechanics. That it can be a little bit punishing. It's got these one or two. I guess you could even say Meat Boy although it's not it's not as hard as either of those games but it is more of on the challenging side and you have to figure out how to get through the stage using uh you know your uh, jumping and uh, the game mechanics to to get through and once you get through you get through the next stage and i believe there is 40 overall stages it's not procedurally generated it is all handcrafted levels so definitely very fun game and uh, offers that sort of old-school arcade action, which I think, personally, this is a great one to play for just a, a quick one-off for Valentine's Day. Okay, so that's the first two out of the way. So, a meaty game with a love theme and coming in at five, and number four was fun games with a, like a lighter game with a love theme. Uh, now, let's get into the top three. So, coming in in third place are co-op games, but more nuanced approach here these are light touch co-op games so this would be if you're playing with a significant other perhaps someone who wants to play a video game with you but specifically i'm thinking about if you're playing with a significant other who maybe has no interest in video games or just doesn't ever play video games maybe likes to watch you play or wants to play a little bit but doesn't really have a lot of the inborn knowledge that a lot of gamers do. So um, these would be good games that you can play with your significant other that uh, you're not going to just leave them in the dust. So first game that came to mind for me was the Nintendo Wii Classic which was since released onto the Nintendo Switch in remastered form and that is Super Mario Galaxy. So you get to play Mario. You're the whoever you if you're the core gamer, you're going to play Mario, you're going to be controlling all the hard action as you go. Um hey, okay, it's a 3D platformer Mario game. It's going to be a ton of fun. Galaxy is incredible too. I love the Mario Galaxy games. But Mario Galaxy also allowed a second player to quote-unquote assist, right? So this is, they get to use the, if you're playing it on the Wii, the, the remote to use the pointer on the screen to collect little star bits for you as you play. Or if you're playing it on the Switch, they can use the second Joy-Con to control the star bits and gather resources that help you along the way. And you can keep playing as you're playing, and they can try to scoop up those star bits as they go. If they miss any, no problem. It's not going to have any real negative impact to you. But if they get any, they, hey, they're helping you build up your little army of star bits where you can feed them to little stars that you find throughout the game. So I think this is a good way. Obviously, it, it also helped for, like, you know, little kids and stuff to play as well when they weren't good enough or... or cognizant enough to be able to play a a full platformer like that but a perfect game to play with a non-gamer significant other uh and speaking of mario there's a lot of mario 2d games that also offer um this kind of mode with it so i'll say right off the top the new super mario brothers games had a lot of local co-op which can be fun but can also be very frustrating especially if you're playing with someone who doesn't really know what they're doing but Um, with Mario Wonder recently, as well as a couple of other ones, they offered an option that you would have a character they could play that is invulnerable. So someone who isn't going to just immediately die in five seconds and have a game over while you carry the rest of the game. So in Mario Wonder, you know, if you played any of the Yoshis or Nabbit, you won't actually die, you won't actually get hurt, you're invulnerable, basically. So your significant other can be playing that while you play the proper challenging part, I guess, and again, have them feeling a little more connected. Now, if you are playing a game like Super Mario 3D World uh, on the Switch, that's a good game for sure, but on the Wii U version, the person who has the uh, Wii U gamepad can actually assist by adding new platforms for the player controlling actual Mario or other characters uh, to play with. So that could lead to some fun, but there are definitely a lot of games out there. And there's a lot of Mario games specifically that offer this sort of light touch co-op style input. And these are good games. Like I said, if you have someone who is a non gamer uh, and you want to be able to play, play with them, but you know, maybe they're not too interested in jumping in and doing anything. um, Then, yeah, all that stuff is very possible so it's, it's, it's good to see that there's a lot of games out there that support that kind of play but I personally think the Mario games do it quite uh, masterfully alright now coming in at second place uh, this is co-op communication games so these are co-op games similar to what I talked about before but not light touch these are you are both fully playing together these are hardcore proper games but you have to play it together but not competitively. These will be games where you need to communicate significantly with each other. And here there's a lot of there's a lot of games that fall into here, but I wanted to highlight some of the best ones I think. So I'll just say right off the top, there are games like Snipperclips on the Nintendo Switch and Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, which is a, a game on just about everything and overcooked which is also just a bit on everything so these are the three i want to focus on so let's talk about snipper clips first this was originally a nintendo switch launch title and it's a like i said it's a co-op game where you need to communicate with one another it's one of the most important things in this game because you need um, you know first of all there's you're not under any kind of time pressure there's no time limit you know there's no combat or anything you have to fight uh and there's really not any pressure for anything you're really just trying to solve a puzzle you're given like a a shape that you're trying to figure out and you have an outline and you are playing as little pieces of paper that are unique shapes and you need to move yourself into these various shapes and interact interact with these different objects in this game to try and solve the level to figure out what the outcome is right and you you have a little scissor tool that you can snip little pieces off of each other uh, and change your shapes and you can solve these puzzles but it's going to take the two of you to figure out how you orient yourselves what parts you need to snip off it's really hard to describe Uh, you really need to look it up but it is a game where you play as these little paper pieces that you need to come together and solve Uh, the puzzle that's being presented like i said one of the puzzle ideas might be it shows you the outline of a shape that a silhouette of a shape you need to create but you are both two completely different shapes so you need to combine yourselves together and snip pieces off of each other and then squish yourselves together so you resemble the outline that is being presented above right so that's just sort of a a rough idea of of the one of the types of puzzles that you might face. It is a lot of fun. It's a lot of laughs, and again, it's it's not competitive. It's you have to work together to put your heads together to find out what you're doing there, and this will lead to a, a huge amount of fun uh, to play together. And actually, this was quite a brilliant. Uh, Game that was released on the Switch's launch because you could use the two Joy Cons together. But anyway, it actually turns out It was this is a really good game to play at Valentine's Day with your significant other, and really, you know, I'll say this that it, it doesn't even require too much uh, video game expertise from your significant other if they're not s- super into it. But again, the, you know, you have to expect them to be able to navigate the the controller anyway at the very much. Uh, all right, so. Uh, the next one that I mentioned was "Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time." So this is—it's um, a space-themed game, obviously, as you can tell. And um, basically, the whole idea is that there's this like force of like anti-love that is going to destroy the universe. So you have to uh, navigate this maze. It's like a galaxy that you're flying around a spaceship in. Uh, but you both have control over the spaceship, and you have to divvy up the tasks between yourself and whoever else. So this is actually, you can go up to the four players, I think at the same time, but if you're playing with your significant other, uh, you know, you're, someone's going to be steering the ship. Someone's going to have to defend it with weapons. You have to activate shields and more. Uh, Basically you got to navigate this maze to reach these goals or, or, you know, accomplish your objective, but not one person is going to have control over the whole thing. You have to communicate together to be, to be able to navigate the maze, to deal with the threats that approach, so this one has a little more <laughs> pressure involved but uh, uh, and will definitely require some kind of um, video game uh, knowledge to, to be able to, to accurately control. But it does make it kind of fun when one person is not quite as good as the other. So you can keep swapping back and forth. Uh, it is a very fun game. And you know what? Actually, I kind of forgot about this game's existence. And I'm like, well, even in the name itself, Lovers and Dangerous Space Time, a play on the song title. But... But still, it seems very fitting to play this on Valentine's Day. Now, I will warn that this game and the next one I talk about do have the... <laughs> you got to be careful because they can also lead to frustration if you if there's a significant uh, gap in skill uh, between you and your significant other because whoever's better is possibly going to get a little more frustrated. So going into it with the... Uh, with an idea of this is going to be fun together. It's a fun game that we can share together. It's obviously, you know, for the best. Uh, so be aware of that. But Lovers in Danger: Dangerous Space Time is, I think, a really good game. And definitely worth your time. And, of course, last one being Overcooked. Lots of people might have had a chance to play this game. It's a very popular game where you're chefs in the kitchen. Where you have to uh, deliver orders to customers that are coming in. Clean the dishes. And, you know, it starts out. The early levels are do a good job at showing you how the game works and how it runs Uh, and this one does have some time pressures as you know the conveyor belts keep going the customers demand their orders things start to pile up and the further you get into the game the the different restaurant like it gets really wacky the different restaurants with moving platforms and it gets really quite chaotic but it is a ton of fun and again another game that you supports up to four people but playing with two with you and your significant other is great and again communication is key making sure that you understand who's doing what working at, seeing that system in action and once you move on to the next spot another piece is introduced to the to the chain that you have so masterfully figured out that you now have to rethink how are we going to now deal with this next uh, complication that's come up um overcooked is probably one of the more hardcore versions in this particular category uh, but hey it's a super popular game for a reason uh, and again this game is available on just about every platform um, whether you're playing pc xbox playstation nintendo switch you'll get it on everything and it's a very good game it's a fun game to play and again just be prepared to play uh, a game that is going to require a little more skill from each person playing it again if you if you can stomach it Uh, If someone is not quite as good, it can also lead to some funny situations. But you know what? I'll say this. I think with uh, this game, you know, you might have a couple stumbling rounds, but the mechanics are simple enough that it can be picked up pretty quick even by a non-gamer or someone who doesn't game quite as much. So give it a couple rounds, and once you get into it, you'll find this game is going to be quite addictive. And most likely, you know, for all the games mentioned here, uh, you'll probably be playing these games well past valentine's day because it's a fun game these are fun games to play together and i mean obviously there's games like you know something i didn't put on here is competitive multiplayer games right and so before we get into number one uh competitive multiplayer games like things obvious ones like mario kart still a lot of fun but or mario party and stuff like that these can be lots of fun but well i don't really think of them as couples games simply because you know these can be also ways that uh for some people might lead to extra competitive uh, nature, unless you're having fun with this. So I guess as a bonus entry here, I, I'll say this, uh, in my own experience with my girlfriend, we used to have, uh, whenever we, we would make bets with each other, like we would play Mario Kart. We would do a, a uh, series of four races, I guess. And, and basically say, if, if I win, you have to do this for me, but if you win, I have to do this, right? So this, these would be ways to settle, um, settle settle a bet or to get someone to do something that they don't necessarily want to do right and at one point it was brought up that whoever (laughs) i never went through with this one because i was like "Mm, i don't know if i want to put this on the line and that was uh whoever wins gets to decide how to decorate the christmas tree next year (laughs) i considered it but uh I chickened out. I have to admit it. I didn't want to put that one on the line because uh, she's quite a good Mario Kart player. So I didn't want to put it at risk. But we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so competitive ones, just know what you're getting to with that, obviously, right? Um, but yeah, let's get on to the number one game on this list. And you know what? If you've um, been following video games for a long time, then you might already know what game I'm going to name as my number one game to play for Valentine's Day And that game is quite simply the video game It Takes Two, straight up. There's a lot of these games that are uh, particularly the the Joseph Ferris developed games that require two people to play, like A Way Out and Tale of Brothers and whatever. But uh, this one particularly is the one. Uh, and this is the number one spot, just this game, It Takes Two. The, not only is this a, a game that requires you to play with your significant other, I think it does a great job from the beginning. Now, you're not going to complete it in one go, although it's not a terribly long game, but it does start off relatively simplistic and ramps up the difficulty as the game goes on. Now, it does require that the person has at least a basic handle on how to play a video game, so your significant other should be familiar with playing video games. But even if not, uh, there are ways that they can play along um, you know, w- with relatively ease, I would say. But... Um, so not only is this game supportive in that way where you have to communicate with each other, and but you're playing all these different styles. Like every level is basically a different sort of genre of game, essentially. So it's a very interesting and varied uh, game that you're playing. It's got an interesting story uh, and the story is about an, a married couple whose marriage is really kind of tense and potentially on the verge of falling apart uh, and they don't know what they're going to tell their child, essentially. And through magical whimsy they they are turned into these little toys that have to journey across their yard essentially to try and get back into their house and figure out how to return back to normal and throughout their trials and tribulations working together, forced to work together and rely on one another. their love for each other is reignited. It's it's a game that has a lot of light-hearted humor but a serious look at you know someone whose marriage might be, strained and might be on the verge of collapse however them also kind coming to realize again that they love each other and it, it is really the perfect game for valentine's day both in theme the story uh and even just the mechanics of the game it is a perfect game to play with uh, with your significant other whether it is you know hey if it's someone that you're having you know if you're in a relationship that maybe it is kind of strained it might be a good sort of therapeutic way to Reinvigorate things, but even if not, it's still a good, fun game. It's a sweet story to play through. It's very uh, appropriate for all ages, I would say, and it's very, um, it's got equal parts whimsy, but it's also you know later in the lo- the levels, it starts to get harder and harder as time goes on, and you rely more and more with each other. And in the game, you know each each the wife and the and the husband have their different quirks. They irritate they're ir- they irritate each other. Sorry, I messed up my speaking there. They they can get on each other's nerves, but they also start to realize that they need each other more than uh, more than they realize, right? And that they start to understand that they, they were maybe taking what they had for granted and start uh, realize that the, the you know their love is really there to stay. So, quite honestly, it's an amazing game. It did win a game of the year in a number of, number of uh, publications. Of the year it came out and for good reason. This is an excellent game, but. The great thing about it, too, is if you're playing it with a significant other, you can only play this one multiplayer. You cannot, like, so you couldn't then pick it up later if they're not around to play it yourself because you require them to be there to play because it's not playable at single player whatsoever so this is a great game and this is my number one pick for the game to play on valentine's day because this is a game you can play with your significant other it's a really good hardcore video game it's got a lot of variety and it's good for someone who isn't a hardcore player but it will ease them into it uh, but there should be someone who is who has picked up a controller before. But, yeah, It Takes Two, I think, is absolutely worth your time. If you're on Game Pass, I believe it is on Game Pass. And, uh, yeah, otherwise, you know, you should be able to get this game relatively affordably. It's on every platform, PlayStations, uh, Xbox, PC, and even Nintendo Switch. Uh, and it's just a great game all around. So, easily my number one pick for uh, best video game to play on Valentine's Day. Okay. Well, that about does it. That wraps up my list. So, I hope you guys enjoyed this um this list I, I had today. So yeah, that's everything. So please let me know what you thought. And like I said, if you've uh, listened this far, please uh, rate my podcast on, if you're on Apple uh, podcasts or anything else, rate it and subscribe to it. So you can make sure you get episodes as they get released. So this uh, show as well as my other table or my other gaming show. It's a tabletop gaming show called Saving Throws. I post pic- pining for pixels every Tuesday, and I post Saving Throws every Thursday. They both come through on the same channel, which is Red Rooster's Gaming Coop. So if you subscribe, you can get all my episodes as they as they release. And please follow me on X slash Twitter. My handle is at Red Rooster GC, and I post when I post new episodes, and I post uh, in between then sometimes as well. It's just Different observations and things that are going on. Uh also, uh please reach out to me and let me know if you uh have any input or if you if there's anything you'd like to see me talking about, if you want anything you want to discuss with me. So one of the things that I had brought up before is that I have sorted a huge backlog of video games uh into a table and shuffled it up, and I'm doing a thing where I want people to to send me uh pick a number any number between one and 1450 uh, and i have a, a little giant list of games i want to get to playing and if you just email me with a number then i will try to find a way to incorporate whatever number that game represents in my list so i have a, a whole bunch of games listed from number one through 1450 just email me a random number and I'll bring it up as a game I would like to play in a future episode of the show. Uh, and this spans from all the way from NES generation up to present day uh, on all different platforms. So, you know, whatever game gets picked, we will uh, we'll talk about it. So I'd like to get into that. But if you just want to chat video games at all, please feel free to reach out to me. And again, a reminder that I do have my second part of my Final Fantasy VII uh, remake book club, which, which is covering the last half of my overall thoughts in the game. So please uh, email me at gamingcoop at gmail.com with your thoughts on Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake. And, you know, did you like it? What did you think of uh, that game versus the original release? And anything else video game wise, please reach out and I'd love to hear from you. Okay. Well, thank you so very much and have yourselves a great day and happy Valentine's Day. Bye bye.